After 18 years, the Xbox 360 marketplace will finally close next year. Plus, game developers can be sneaky, as evidenced by Tears of the Kingdom's Blood Moon. Tonight is August 20th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, even uh, if. Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. I gotta say, the song we played before I went on the air tonight, it was a banger. It was a brand new Overclock remix that I don't play during the show. Uh, I really liked that one. I, I hadn't listened to the whole thing. I listened to enough to know that it was a banger, and, and I didn't realize how much of a banger it was. It was from Rise of the Triad. It was just announced. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminiscing about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on this wonderful Sunday night, thank you so much. Welcome. Uh, uh, we do tape the show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash vog network. So come join us if you are able. Uh, and I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. Um, but this is a podcast, and I also understand there are certain other areas of the country, especially Southern California, that is going through a weather event right now. Uh, and uh, hurricanes are no joke, and I understand that they are not prepared. They, they don't usually get hurricanes. It's been like since the 1930s. So um, it's uh, it, they're they're going through something that they don't usually have right now. Um, and uh, so you know, thoughts are out to all of them. I know they're in the thick of it now. So none of them are going to be here, most likely. Uh, because it's making landfall right now, and there was even a mini earthquake like an hour ago. I, I it, it's. Stay safe, everybody. Uh, it is no joke. You can be the most prepared in the world, and hurricanes will still uh, do a lot of stuff. Uh, and uh, and hurricane twenty twenty three is what dark uh, is what Ra Roberts says. Um, and Dark to see says, luckily, uh, all we've seen is a metric ton of rain, so to speak. But we're keeping an eye out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I don't have to deal with earthquakes. So, like, I, I get it. Like, if an earthquake happened here, I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, or I wouldn't be very prepared for it. Hey there, I just wanted to jump in here after the initial recording. It is actually Wednesday, August 30th, which is like about 10 days after this episode recorded. Uh, I apologize for uh, it not getting up. Don't worry, there was no episode on Sunday night. Uh, I had a 3 millimeter kidney stone. Uh, that manifested itself about three hours before I was supposed to go on the air on Sunday night. So I was actually in the ER uh, when I normally would have been on on Sunday night. Um, everything's fine now. Uh, it passed that night. Uh, so I am still going to Dragon Con. It is Wednesday. I'm about to, to leave the house in about an hour or so uh, to get down there. So everything you hear about Dragon Con is still on and everything, but there was no show. Uh, kind of sad about it. I had planned to do stuff about the Atari 2600 Plus, talk a little bit about Charles Martinet which I may still do uh, a little bit. We may have to revisit three-week-old news uh, on top of, you know, talking about Starfield and, and stuff. Uh, sea of Stars coming out. The making of Karatika is out. 
Uh, so there's a lot that we're going to be able to cover when I do get back. But I am fine now. There was no show uh, on the 26th uh, but uh, because I, I was in the ER at the time. But I am fine now, and I can't wait to see you at either at DragonCon if you're going to be there or at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Now we're going to go back to the actual podcast that was recorded, and you can hear my DragonCon schedule, which as of right now still has not changed, even though the app is out. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about where I'm going to be next week, uh, or two weeks. It's two weeks. I, I keep wanting it to be next week. I'm ready. I'm ready. My, my, my mind is already there. Uh, but I am going to be at DragonCon, uh, and even though I'm not supposed to be giving this out yet, uh, well, I mean, I, I'm allowed. I have been told that I am allowed, but it's not in the app yet. They haven't released the schedule. They are supposed to release the schedule August 10th. They did not. But uh, I am going to be on uh, several different panels uh, throughout the week, six panels. And I have posted this up to social media uh, in, in most of the places. Uh, and uh, I did it tonight, uh, and so I've talked about them a little more last week, but uh, I wanted to mention where I'm going to be on Labor Day weekend in Atlanta. Uh, so I'm going to be moderating three panels and appearing on three others throughout the weekend on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So Friday, I'm going to be on the video gaming track over in the Westin uh, in in um, the same room. It's Augusta E through H, uh, which I believe is the... That's the bigger room of the two, I believe. Um, and so I'm going to be in there. The first panel I am moderating is Friday at 11.30 a.m. So pretty much right at the... I, I used to say the beginning of the convention, but the convention now begins on Wednesday night for, for all intents and purposes. So... Um, and, uh, and and so E through H, it's the big room. Both of my panels are in the big room. Uh, the first one is playing tabletop role-playing games online. What's next? So I am moder uh, moderating this panel about multiple online tools that have sprung up over the last few years to enable players and DMs and GMs to connect and play online. Listen to our panelists talk about different platforms, professional DMs, and what's coming to enable you to find your best play experience in the digital landscape. So I am on here with a couple guests uh, of DragonCon, like professional DMs, uh, role-playing game writers and stuff like that so i am obviously uh moderating this panel uh so that's going to be there and we're going to talk about like i guess tabletop simulator and the other ways that people have been playing games online especially at once 2020 happened everybody had to uh i'll have my tilt 5 uh with me and i'll probably bring that up because the tilt 5 is the ar device that was actually originally designed its original use case was to play uh board games online with friends where everybody is standing around their own board but it's augmented reality and uh, so you could stand around the board, but you didn't have to be in the same room with people and you could look in, into the board. That was the idea of it. Um, they haven't really executed that idea yet. They, they're still working on the deck. It's very much a Kickstarter project product. Um, and uh, but I haven't seen that multiplayer board game experience yet from Tilt 5. Um, the second panel is uh, kind of my big panel. Uh, and uh, Matt Mercer, by the way, uh, I said Fifth Dream says Pro GM, so Matt Mercer. Matt Mercer is not one of the panelists, um, and I'm not gonna. I don't want to release the other guest names on here uh, just because things are changing. Uh, once the DragonCon app goes live, you'd be able to look it up. Uh, but uh, the second panel is I, I can actually tell you who it's with because it's in the title. What's new in Steve Jackson video games? And so 
This is uh, the description is spend an hour with one of the greats of tabletop gaming as he talks about the video game offerings he has and will be bringing out in the near future. That is Friday at 2.30 in that same room. Uh, so I get an hour break in between uh, the two panels. Uh, and that is Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson Games. That is uh, the creator of Munchkin, the creator of Illuminati, the creator of GURPS, the creator of uh, all these other games. And he's got some digital games coming out. And uh, we're going to use there's some that are already out, some that are coming out. And he's going to talk about that. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the process uh, that he knows of about, uh, you know, converting card games into video games, even though he doesn't really do the video game design side. He's a card game designer that has some products on video game marketplaces. But it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, and 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 Fifth Dream says so many people think that uh, Critical Role invented D&D. Uh, no, they, and, and, and I know, I understand why, I mean, people think serial invented podcasts. So, you know, what can you do? Serial came out like I was already doing my show for like 15 or 16 years when serial came out and, but serial suddenly invented podcasts. And Rob Roberts says, well, I mean, Apple invented cell phones. Apple did invent the cell phone. I mean, that, that's, that's actually true. Uh, but then uh, Saturday, I'm hanging out in the digital media track all afternoon. Uh, so that's down in the basement of the Hilton. And so at 11.30 a.m. on Saturday at the at the smaller room, the Galleria 7, uh, which is basically next door to the main room, uh, I am moderating the panel with Rob on it. Uh, how do you do, fellow kids, thriving on streaming media after 40? And we're going to talk about uh, some of the challenges of, uh, you know, being a Twitch streamer in a, in an area where... You know, because Twitch streamers are mostly in their twenties or maybe their thirties. There aren't that many that are over forty. Uh, and you know, when you get to be at forty, you you have more time commitments in real life, so you can't devote as much time to the hobby as somebody who's in their twenties and thirties and maybe don't have a family or a you know are very successful career. Uh, and how do you navigate that landscape uh, and and compete for viewers without alienating? the viewers who are of that age, because that's kind of the, the thing I always want to get across is that, uh, you know, most of your viewers are going to be below 40. And, you know, I am personally very sick and tired of the whole back in my day, blah, 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 you kids wouldn't understand because I hated it when I was a kid and was told how, you know, lucky we have it that my dad had a remote control because his dad just hit him until he walked over to the TV set and changed and turned up the volume or played with the rabbit ears and blah, 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 blah. And I'm trying to talk about, like, don't do that on Twitch because you want people who are younger than you uh, to be watching. If you actually are into having viewers, if you want to, like, scream into the clouds or a brick wall, then that's different. But if you actually want viewers and to be moderately successful, you need to not talk down to viewers just because they're younger than you. Uh, so uh, that that's kind of the crux of that. But also, like, what can you do? How How maybe can you do time management to go around the responsibilities that you may have in your 40s and your 50s uh, that maybe, you know, you had more time when you were younger. And the younger kids, they do have more time to devote to doing stuff on Twitch, preparing, doing post work, stuff like that. So uh, that panel will be recorded and put up on YouTube. I do not think it will be streaming, but they are working on it. So I don't want to, like, say that it's definitely going to be streamed. It's in the secondary room, so they don't have all the streaming stuff set up. The next panel, uh, and then I am uh, um, actually a panelist on the rest of the panel. So that's the end of my moderating. I don't have to work anymore. I just have to show up and talk. Neighborhoods, building a better community. So this is uh, being a content creator on the internet is a way of bringing people around you. Sometimes managing that public engagement can be a challenging endeavor. Join a panel of creators who have figured it out 
uh, some good ways to bring your viewers and listeners around to help bring, uh, bring out the best in everyone. So this panel is about you. That's how I framed it last, yeah, uh, last time. It's basically these are all creators that have created a panel, or uh, that it's a panel of creators that have created a community that actually interacts with each other rather than just with the content creator. There are some content creators who are like, I only want my community to talk to me. I don't care if they talk to anybody else. We have actually built out a community that talks to each other and does things without me or Orange Lounge Radio or Anime Jam Session or British Invaders or any of the and anybody else that's affiliated with the network. They actually talk. Uh, without us and actually plan things without us. And so how do you do that? How do you foster the community? How do you, uh, how do you deal with bad apples? Uh, you know, if you do, um, because some, some people who have made failed communities have said in the past, you know, I like having somebody that riles people up because that drives engagement because theoretically it does, uh, you know, anger drives engagement as, as social media companies have found out. Uh, but, uh, that may not make a successful community. It might just get you more hits, which may be what all you worry about. But if you care about community, uh, it, then then doing certain moderation tools uh, and being jerks to people who are jerks instead of trying to be nice to everybody might be the way to go. And also realize that your community may challenge you uh, on on opinions and listen to them. And because sometimes because many, many times they have different experiences than you do in different life uh, life uh, things that happened to them in, in their past or in their present uh, and might have a different perspective than you. So uh, then the next panel, the next two panels are all on a topic that are going to become my favorite topic. Uh, so on the digital media track on on Saturday at 2.30 in uh, the secondary room, by the way, that neighborhood is building a better community that is in the main digital media track room. So that will be streamed at twitch.tv slash DC digital media. So you'll be able to watch that one live on Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, in two weeks. So, uh, because this is Labor Day weekend, so it's the first weekend of September. Uh, then AI and ChatGPT, the impact on content creators. This is at uh, Saturday at 2.30. AI has taken the world by storm with ChatGPT creating creative output. Is there a dystopian future ahead for artists? What about copyright and plagiarism? This panel explores all the issues of AI and content creation and the positives and negatives of its usage that impacts all creators. So they have me on here because I'm a software developer. And so that's why um, I, I, they, I'm, they, they probably expect me. Well, actually, they don't because this is the digital media track. They know my stance. Uh, but, you know, kind of like explaining the tech side of all this. Uh, and one of the questions in here actually was uh, answered very recently. Uh, a judge, and I'm going to get the actual, like, I'm going to actually have me prepared for the panel and say this, but there was a judge that actually ruled that stuff created by AI is not copyrightable. And that would, that happened in the last week. Uh, so that may actually curtail some of the millionaires and billionaires that want to use AI to replace writers and stuff because they're not going to be able to copyright anything uh, that, that was made by AI. Um, and so uh, that was kind of an interesting development that literally just happened this week that made, determine how some of this panel conversation goes. Um, so that is going to be happening. And that's about AI and chat GPT for podcasts and streaming uh, and, and things like that. Then Sunday night, a panel, a, a track I have never been to in a room that I haven't even gone by in many, many, many years, because it's in like the sub basement of the Hyatt. Uh, it used to be where the video, the 24 hour video rooms were. So I used to go down there like in the late nineties, early two thousands all the time. Cause that's where like anime would play. That's the first time I ever saw iron sky, 
which is uh, it's, it's it's a hilarious. It's like made by Finnish people, fin- Finland, and um, it's like a parody of Star Trek and Babylon Five. Um, or they, they made a Star Trek Babylon Five parody, and then Iron Sky was their actual big budget that didn't infringe on anybody else's copyright. Iron Sky was Nazis on the dark side of the moon come back and and destroy the Earth. Or try to destroy the earth. It, it was it, it was interesting. It was funny. I bought it on Blu-ray, but I first saw it there at at Dragon Con, and then, uh, but th- this panel on the uh, independent film track, it is in the sub basement of the Hyatt in the Piedmont room. Uh, it's AI. What's everyone so worried about? AI has become a part of life, especially in the film world. We'll be discussing AI, the controversy surrounding it, and what has the Writers Guild, Screen Actors Guild, and DJ and Directors Guild, and everyone else so concerned. So um, I am not the moderator on here. I thought I would be the moderator, but I literally do see who is the moderator. This is the one panel I can see that. Uh, And so I think, once again, I'm on there with, like, writers and directors and stuff that do independent films. And I think they have me as the software guy. Like, I'm supposed to come in and defend the tech, and they don't realize Bobby's going to actually agree with us on this. Fifth Dream says, there's no AI in team. That is correct. So that is what I'm going to be doing at Dragon Con next year, or next next year. This two weeks, it's already it's it's going to take two years for the next two weeks to get here. That's what it feels like. But uh, I am I am very thrilled to be part of Dragon Con once again, um, and uh, getting to hang out with Rob, and uh, apparently getting to hang out with Brad. Uh, that that's something new. Brad uh, Pod Culture in our chat. Uh, and maybe you. So if you want to hang out, uh, we do have our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. That has a conventions channel. And we try, we actually do a good job of keeping that sticking to, like, actual convention stuff and not just, like, here's a news article about a convention. Let's throw it in there. No, that's not what it's for. But we'll be posting. And if you want to meet up with us outside of those times or you can't get in touch with us until less those times, feel free to use that Discord server or reach out on social media. And, uh... Most of the social media net, uh, ones uh, actually beat my phone. Uh, the one that I like the most doesn't have notifications yet, so just keep that in mind. If you um, uh, like colors of uh, colors of what's above us, um, that one doesn't beep anybody's phone yet. It's still working on it. But uh, you can come to our, any of our panels. Rob over on Orange Lounge Radio, he's also on a bunch of panels that is up to him to say which ones they're on. I will tell you, he is on the... Uh, I can, I'm going to tell you, and I'm sorry, Rob. I'm going to tell you, he's on the How Do You Do Fellow Kids panel at uh, 11.30 a.m. Rob is on that panel. So there, I have already outed one of Rob's panel schedules. And that, that's, that's uh, everything else is on him. Uh, but, but he's on that panel. So that one's going to be happening. All right. Let us go uh, talk more about uh, the current news. So I wanted to talk about this because I think actually... Even though it's always sad when something like this closes, uh, the the length of time it has been is actually really commendable. Uh, and and, and it, it, everything has to close. All these online services has to close sometime. Kotaku reports that the Xbox 360 marketplace, the console's online store, will cease operations on July 29th, 2024. After that day, 360 owners will no longer be able to purchase new games or entertainment console uh, content for their consoles, and the Microsoft Movies and TV app will stop working as well. While many will undoubtedly be disappointed that the fact that the 360 marketplace, the centerpiece of the now 18-year-old console, is fading away, owners will be able to play any previously purchased digital games or those on physical discs. 
The August 17th announcement post from Microsoft says, quote, this change will not affect your ability to play Xbox 360 games or DLC you have already purchased. Xbox 360 game content previously purchased will still be available to play not only the 360 console, but also the Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S devices via backwards compatibility, unquote. Uh, Neither multiplayer matches for compatible online games nor cloud saves will be impacted by the marketplace closing. That's something very important to note. And users will be able to continue to be able to buy backwards compatible games on newer Xbox consoles, including Xbox Series X and S, on which 360 games will receive FPS boost, auto HDR, and faster loading times. This doesn't say if you like if you buy an Xbox 360 backwards compatible game after July 29th, it doesn't say if you can then download it to your 360. That I don't know yet, but uh, but it's important to note this is literally just the marketplace, which means it's really the financial transaction that they're turning off. Um, they're not turning off the servers for cloud saves because they use that same server for cloud saves on Xbox One and Xbox Series X. If you play a 360 backwards compatible game, it actually gets the cloud saves off of your 360 account. And you can even, I think it's like you have to hit the uh, view button, which is the back button, but the view button and the uh, big Xbox button at the same time brings up the Xbox 360 guide with the blades, even on Xbox One. Uh, So... um, It's just the marketplace. It's not all online services of the Xbox 360. The 360's movie and TV streaming capability will take a bigger hit than the marketplace. While anything purchased on the 360 movie app will stay in your library, you'll only be able to view this content on PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X and S after July 29th. As with games on physical disc, you should still be able to watch movies and shows via DVD on the Xbox 360 since that process doesn't require any additional software. Um, So... What that is, that is probably because of the DRM, the content uh, management system and the digital rights management that they've got, uh, because if they update any DRM, they would have to update it on the Xbox 360 as well. And they don't want to write any new code for the Xbox 360 and they don't want to have to debug it. So it's just easier on them and easier on the budget and easier on the people that they have. Uh, that they cut off the str- movies and TV streaming app, and you, but but everything you bought is still on your Microsoft account, and you can watch it everywhere else. And then uh, this development clarifies a February Xbox support page declaration that said that quote the Xbox 360 marketplace will be closed over the next year, so we encourage you to purchase any 360 games or DLC by May of 2023. Unquote. At the time, Microsoft says the notice were posted in error, but now we know that it was just the 2023 timeline is incorrect. So you have until July to purchase things on your 360. That's it. And then then it's done. Uh, but that's a long time, and it is literally, like, 18 years. Because, like... I mean, and it's going to be almost 19 years, because the uh, Xbox 360 came out, I believe, in November of 2005. And that's when the Xbox 360 marketplace opened, and it's going away in July of 2024. That is almost 19 years and you can still play your Xbox 360 games online. Whereas when the Wii shut down its store, it also cut off online play. When the 3DS shut down its online store, it also cut off online play. All the online services went down. With this, it's just the uh, Xbox 360, uh, the just the marketplace. Online servers for the 360 still work. The Xbox original servers, they're gone. But... But this is literally just like payment methods and DRM. 
As Jaron Matt says, there are some games that are not backwards compatible past 360. Some of those games are elsewhere, but some titles like Afterburner Climax, which was delisted a bit ago, uh, that were not compatible past uh, 360. I mean, you also Rock Band and Guitar Hero and stuff. Those never made it. Uh, the, the original ones never made it. They were not backwards compatible. Nothing that used a special peripheral was backwards compatible with the Xbox One and Series X. So that those are going to close, but... Uh, at least Rock Band 4 is still around, and still you can buy everything in Rock Band 4. And Dark Tissia says, are we going to have to call the completionist again? Oh, I- I'm sure the completionist already knows. They-, they already know. So, clock's ticking. So, the last thing I wanted to talk about was actually, it's, because, uh, like, I was, like, looking, like, what what can I talk about? And there's there's a lot of discourse about, like, Baldur's Gate 3 is making developers unhappy, other game developers unhappy, because... Baldur's Gate 3 wasn't limited by uh, budget and, uh, you know, timeline considerations of timeline and you have to release the game now and, and all this stuff. So they're getting all worried because it's a very people think it's a very polished game and there's no DLC or microtransactions. From what I understand, Act 3 has a whole lot of bugs in it and they've, they've had to release like several patches that re- like fix like a thousand bugs in each one. Uh, so it's not as polished as you think it is, but it, it's it's pretty close. But I didn't want to, I, I was like, I can talk about that. But uh, this, I was trying to find kind of more articles about that, and this came across my feed. And I thought that this was, this is fascinating. And it's actually about game developers being sneaky. And, and one of the things that I can tell you about game development is that the majority of game development is tricking the player into thinking something happen, something is happening, but it's not happening. So a lot of, um, like, rendering a 3D environment, uh, the, it's really tricking the user into thinking that things are there that aren't there. Um, the console only renders what you can see, but you think that all that stuff exists past what you can see, past the tree line or whatever, uh, but it doesn't until you get there. It tr- tricks you. Um, like, the you know, in, like, in like Legend of Zelda, the mountain off in the distance, it's it doesn't actually exist on the console when you're looking at it far away. It comes in later. Uh, so a lot of game development is trickery like that, tricking you into thinking that you're seeing things that you're that's not happening or thinking that things are happening that's not happening. This is actually really interesting. It's a game mechanic that we're like, oh, that's interesting. It's a game mechanic. Turns out it's got a real reason, and it's all because of the limitations of the Nintendo Switch. Polygon reports that the Blood Moon in The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is one of the game's creepiest moments. Scarlet clouds paint the sky, and a ghostly aura reanimates monsters from the dead. The scene is among one of the scarier parts of the game, but beneath its red ooze, the event hides a practical application. The Blood Moon functions as a way to refresh the game's memory use and stop Link from pushing the Nintendo Switch to its limits. The regular non-glitched Blood Moon rises every 168 minutes, the equivalent of one week in in-game time. For the uh, Once the cutscene plays, enemies in Hyrule respawn and Link gets a fresh batch of monsters to fight. Although waiting for the elapsed time is the more common method to experience a Blood Moon, it isn't the only way. Players can force a Blood Moon scene by overloading the Switch's memory. Fans have dubbed the phenomena a panic moon because the game uses the moon as a failsafe to stop things from crashing when players push the game's memory usage to its limits. In a previous article, uh, Polygon uh, spoke to Mr. Sage, 
he spells it differently, but it's Mr. Sage, an expert builder from the Hyrule Engineering subreddit. In his work, the builder explained how the game itself can be a limiting factor in what can or can't be built in the game. The builder explained to Polygon how the Blood Moon is actually used as a way to make up for the Switch's limitations. They say, quote, The game is a built-in memory refresher, which automatically triggers a Blood Moon once you start pressuring the game with, for example, too many objects in Link's vicinity. The Blood Moon then removes all the objects around you that cause this overload and resets enemies, all because the Switch is not powerful enough. Unquote. Players have documented full ways to pull off the Panic Moon. In one, a player forced the event by firing several opal-fused arrows with a Lionel Blow at a breakable brick wa- uh, rock wall. A Lionel Bow fires three arrows at a time, with the opals creating a splashing water effect, so firing them at the wall quickly overloads the Nintendo Switch with animations and water effects. In other cases, people have triggered the Blood Moon with topaz-fused arrows, which result in electrical burst upon landing. So, uh, in a sense, the Blood Moon represents the pinnacle of Nintendo's clever game development. It's a sneaky but elegant way the developers mask the limitations of this otherwise awe-inspiring game. On a tonal level, the Blood Moon adds creepiness to the game and uh, and develops the overall somberness of Hyrule past upheaval. From a gameplay perspective, the Blood Moon respawns enemies and can bring excitement back to the world. And on a technical level, the Blood Moon also saves the Switch from itself, preventing it from pushing too far past its limits. It transforms a limitation into a feature. And Fifth Dream puts clever in quotes. It actually is. Because how else would they overcome the technical limitations? Because they can't fix the technical limitations of the Switch. Um, you can probably say Nintendo should have put out a better, uh, more, you know, a better console. Uh, sure, but you've got to go with the console you have, not the console you wish you had. Um, Questbuster says, uh, I just wish... Zelda didn't have to announce the Blood Moon every time it happens. That's it's got that's the masking of the load time. And and you know, there a lot of that like, you know, you may hate and the way other games do a lot of this masking is, you know, there there's games the big thing, what's the big thing now in like all these, you know, big 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 adventure games, big action games, shimmying between rocks, right? Shimmying through the rocks. Uh, that's a load screen. That's what it is. Um, and, and a lot of games use that, especially in the previous era in the PS4, Xbox one era, uh, to do that. But they still keep it in the PS5, Xbox series era where load times are significantly smaller, but they're not zero. There is still load time. Um, and, uh, Questor says the mass effect elevators. Yes. The mass effect elevators were loading screens, which is why, when they did the Mass Effect remasters on Xbox Series X and, and, and PS, I think that it's on PS5 as well, where there's no load times, they preserved the ability to have the elevator cutscenes. You basically would wait. Uh, whereas in the original game, the elevator, you would get to your destination once the new sta- place loaded. So that's some of the other ways that they mass load screens instead of actually having load screens. And also somebody else mentioned texture pop in. That's what happens when you don't have a proper load screen or don't have a proper way of masking the loading from uh, the player. Uh, and, and a lot of these clever techniques do take a lot of engineering effort, a lot of design effort. And if you don't have the budget for that, then you're going to just get texture pop in and it's going to be in, in the bean counters that look at the bottom line or say it's going to be fine. Uh, and it makes the... it. it I can assure you that whenever somebody who actually writes the code, so when I say game developer, I literally do mean like the actual person writing the code and the person doing the art. 
every time they see texture popping in their game, they cringe. I, I guarantee you they cringe. They don't want it there. It's management's, you know, it's the manager's, I wouldn't say fault, but it's they're on a timeline. They're on a budget. And texture pop-in doesn't destroy the experience of the game. You can still play the game. And so it's a very, very low priority to figure out a way to not have texture pop-in. Questbush said, I remember when Mark Cerny over at Sony was talking about the PS5's technical capabilities prior to release, release, and he poked fun at elevators for load masking. I mean, the elevators, that was a great way of doing it. Like, that was an innovative way. They were able to have some conversations. You could get some background on the characters. Uh, and who hasn't stood in an elevator for a, a long time and just kind of stood there and it's been awkward. Like it, that, that actually was pretty brilliant. Like we make fun of it today, but I'm actually, you know, I thought that that was a brilliant way instead of just having a load screen that has tips, which is the easy way of doing it. I thought that was, that was a brilliant way of doing it. Um, it, Namco patented for 20 years, the ability to have a mini game on a load screen which is why you never saw many games on those screens except for in Namco games uh, because they patented that in like 1996, 1997 or something like that. So that patent's expired now, but now we don't have load screens anymore. So I guess Namco won in that. Tiger Claw says, how about getting in elevators with a ton of people on it during a cruise uh, or at a convention? We've been talking about Dragon Con and uh, that that's... There's even, um, and, and DragonCon TV hasn't released it yet, but there's actually like a music video that may or may not be uh, on DragonCon TV this year that's all about taking the elevators. It's actually really good. It's a lot better than the ones they've posted already. Pogor says, I've stood in line for elevators for a long time. E3VL says, why not take the stairs? Um, I, I will tell you, especially at a convention, why I will take uh, elevators instead of the stairs. Because my room's usually on the 35th floor. And... Um, or in the 30s or in the 40s, it's pretty high up usually. Uh, and uh, if you think that I am in enough shape to walk up 35 flights of stairs after already walking around all day at a convention which in a city that has, has basically hills everywhere, uh, it's not as hilly as San Francisco, but there are hills. It's not as flat as, say, Indianapolis where Gen Con is. If you think that I am capable of going up 35 flights of stairs, uh, you don't know me very well. That's why I personally don't take the stairs instead of waiting in line for an elevator at a convention. And uh, DJ Ramirez says, I once had to walk up 18 flights of stairs with my luggage once, day zero of Katsukon, never again. Oh, I would never do it with luggage. What we've been doing is, um, well, I, basically, our way of thing at DragonCon is uh, we, we actually, we get our suite on, fr on Wednesday is when we get our room. Uh, Wednesday, the elevators are fine. Uh, and then when I used to park down at Dragon Con, which I don't anymore, but when I had a lot more stuff that I was bringing to Dragon Con, I would actually park my car in a self-parking lot like a block away. Uh, Sunday night, I would actually take my stuff to my car, take most of the stuff to the car. Uh, and... Uh, they basically load the car the night before. And so I didn't have to bring all my luggage on the, the elevator going down. So there's ways to, to get around it, uh, in, to get around the crowded elevators. But if you're trying to use them at peak times, you're going to have a bad time. And so if you do have like a low floor 
at a convention, uh, yeah, the stairs, they're st- like if, if our room was like on the fourth floor, oh, hell yeah, I'd be taking the stairs when I wasn't taking my luggage. I'd do that. Uh, so we are going to take, actually, we're going to take a quick music break. And because I've uh, spent some time talking, uh, didn't spend as much time talking, we actually can take a call if you want to call in about anything going on in the gaming industry uh, or talk about Baldur's Gate 3, which I haven't played yet. Uh, you can go over to our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Head on over to the Green Room voice chat channel during this music break. And uh, then we'll pull you in and we can talk about anything going on that you want to talk about in the gaming ele- uh, in, in the gaming space. So we're going to do a quick music break. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show here in the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. <laughs> My chocobo all day. Uh, Can't get it out of my head. Hey, this is Robbie Damon, the voice of all your favorite anime and video games, and you are participating with the Bobby Black Wolf Show. Have fun, baby. Sounds like you're having fun. Man, Dragon Con 2019 is when I got that one. You think Steve Jackson would do one? You think you think he'd do a bumper? I don't know. I'll 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 see what I can do. Uh, I'm very shy at asking for bumpers from people like that. So uh, that that's that's one of my failings. Uh, yeah. So if you but if you want to leave a bumper, I don't actually. I, that's actually like one of the newest bumpers I even have is that one. Um, and uh, uh, if you want to leave a bumper, you do not have to be a voice actor or or, or a game designer or anything like that. All you got to do is send me an. Uh, Either an MP3 of just your voice or uh, a video of just you and your voice. I will choose which DMCA violation to put behind it uh, and send it to me. Uh, you can contact me on our Discord or uh, by, I've got. You can send an email to bumpers at bobbyblackwolf.com. But really, who uses email anymore? Um, but you can contact me there and and be be a part of it there. So uh, I am checking in uh, the voice chat channel uh, in in the green room. Nobody's in the green room channel. Uh, uh, so if you want to call in and talk about that stuff uh, or anything, uh, feel free, because this is the part that's kind of driven by the community. I will say that I watched, I finally watched the Tetris movie on Apple TV this weekend. It's, it, it's I don't get a chance to really watch that much TV or movies uh, with everything going on, but I did finally get to watch the Tetris movie. Uh, this weekend, and uh, it's it, it's it's actually pretty good. I actually enjoy it. Uh, it is not factual. Uh, it, it it is and it isn't. Um, the the more fanciful parts of the if you're like I can't believe that happened, it most likely didn't happen. E three reveals it is documentary. No, it is a based on a true story. It is if you think of the movie Argo. Okay, the Ben Affleck movie Argo, which was about getting the diplomats out of out of Iran, uh, that also is kind of the same way, where it's based on a true story, based on real people, but not every single dramatic moment that had tension. Not, the tension parts didn't really happen. I enjoyed it, but also realized that like if there's like a lot of tension uh, or violence in it, uh, when you watch it, realize that didn't happen. Um, a lot of the more mundane things 
did happen. Things like all the contract negotiations that they talk about, all the numbers they were throwing out, that actually happened. Um, they're, they're, the KGB being involved, they were involved, uh, but not as much as they were in the film. Um, you know, they're, they're, the character, there's a character that is revealed later to be a KGB agent. That is based on a real character, uh, except uh, the actual Hank Rogers uh, knew that that translator was KGB. Like, he knew all the translators there were KGB, and he just picked the the, the one that was smiling, basically, is how, how, it's, how he phrased it in an interview. Uh, so um, there, it does play with dramatic license, but it's also rooted in real things that happened. And Questbuster says, Argo dr- dramatized parts of the true story, but the true story is still pretty exciting on its own. There's, there's twists and turns in the true story of Tetris as well. Um, and, and seeing all the different players involved, uh, with the Tetris story, uh, and they didn't even go through, get through all of it. Like they didn't even like they, Atari was mentioned, but it was because of Tengen and Atari was actually a bigger part of the initial contract negotiations. And the movie kind of just didn't talk about that part. They actually blamed Sega and not Atari for that stuff. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, Dark Sea says, I, I recommend video games historians take on the Tetris stuff. Um, and uh, Tiger Claw says, with the movie making about making of Tetris, what other video game would you like to see done as a movie about the making of it? Honestly, uh, if they really want to go that route, um, because the Tetris movie is based on a book, uh, a, a book that talked about things, uh, and then it dramatized some of it. Honestly, another a, a movie based a book that I enjoyed reading a long time ago is called Masters of Doom. And it's about John Carmack and John Romero and early id software putting out Doom and how, you know, how they started and how Commander Keen, if you remember Commander Keen, that was because John Carmack wanted to port Super Mario Brothers to PC. So he ported Super Mario Brothers to, P- to PC, showed it to Nintendo, and Nintendo's like, LOL, no. Uh, so he used the, reused the engine because some John John Carmack figured out how to do side-scrolling graphics on a PC in the 80s uh, with the CGA graphics that they had at the time. And he made Commander Keen uh, with that engine, took out all of Nintendo and Mario stuff, uh, and then, you know, going up to doing Wolfenstein 3D and then going up and doing Doom and dealing with the fallout from Doom in the public consciousness and stuff like that. So Masters of Doom, I think, would be a great read and also you know Carmack and Romero didn't get along and so you know and they still don't really get along all that much but uh they it's you know they they keep each other at arm's length but they still they're cordial to each other now uh but they didn't get along and so there's your conflict in the in the film so I think that uh you know adapting Masters of Doom if you want to look at anything, that would be uh, a real interesting one because uh, it's not going to have as much of the political intrigue that Tetris did because it was about getting something out of the Soviet Union. Uh, but uh, that is another interesting story, probably more akin to the social network being the story of Facebook. Uh, the Masters of Doom would probably be more along those lines if they made it into a movie and made it a dramatized movie. Um Technical says there's a console wars documentary. They should make a movie about that. That is a little bit too broad for a dramatic movie. Um, Because a dramatic movie, uh, you know, uh, something that's based on a true story needs to be based on a single event. 
and like Tetris was the the getting the license of Tetris and how did they get the license of Tetris out of the Soviet Union? That was the actual like event. That is the climax. Something that's the console wars that is very much a uh that's too broad. You don't have an actual climax to the console wars. Um but like Masters of Doom, you act the climax is Doom comes out and, you know, maybe even goes into some of the, you know, defending that they had to do against the media and against politicians who felt that Doom was going to destroy society, which was a very big talking point in the 1990s. Very big talking point in the 1990s. And uh, Questro says, I love how the book commented towards the end that even though Carmack and Romero went their separate ways, Carmack would still stop and help him out if he needed help changing a tire or something like that. Yeah. And uh, the... the um, John Carmack actually just has a book out now. Like, I think he just released a book. And I saw because somebody posted like a comment like John Carmack would never comment about this book. And Romero's like, Carmack wrote, wrote the foreword. And it was very much a, yeah, we don't talk much now, but, you know, we still built something cool, you know, stuff like that. And John Carmack then like put support out for the book on social media. Uh, and stuff. So, like I said, they're cordial, but they they are not friends. They do not want to work together ever again. That's not going to happen. But they can be cordial with each other and just say that was a phase in our past. We have moved on. We have both grown up, and now we can move on. Yeah. So basically, if the answer is Masters of Doom, put make Masters of Doom turn that into, um, turn that into to a a, a dramatic movie, um. And, uh, you know, have Jim Parsons play Carmack. I don't know. I don't know who you get to play Carmack. I don't know who you get to play John Romero either. Um, Tire Claw says Cliffy B has to talk about his life as a game developer, but make maybe make that the movie. But what is, you got to think, like, you have to figure out what the climax is. Like, what is the event? Like, is it about Gears of War? Um, you know, is it about that launching finally? Uh, what is the dramatic, like, what is the conflict? Because just your life as a game developer, there's no real conflict there. Um, you know, because Oppenheimer, even though it's about a dude's life, uh, the main conflict is about the bomb. That's the conflict. Where is the conflict? In Tetris, the Tetris movie, the conflict is getting the rights out of the Soviet Union. And say, per, you know, in my example of the Masters of Doom movie, the conflict is between Romero and and Carmack. And, you know, they would probably play that up a little bit more. Uh, and some of the other things about Doom, uh, and that is the primary conflict. Dr. Tia says, I have one, Street Fighter Two, uh, but, like, going from Champion Edition to Turbo, like, we're all... Uh, we're." There were all those hacked bootlegs after Championship Edition. Uh, so a movie about Street Fighter. Questbrush says, I'd like to see a movie about how Sega took on Nintendo and succeeded wildly with the Genesis through Kalinske's eyes. Um, and Tiger Claw says, that's the console wars. That's the documentary. Um, so maybe like looking at that moment in time, looking at Genesis does what Nintendo don't and Nintendo is what Genesis isn't, which was, by the way, the actual response that nobody remembers from Nintendo is Nintendo is what Genesis isn't. But it's going to it's going to be interesting. It's a lot of this is also contingent on the streaming wars and, uh, you know, what happens to streaming services after the WGA and SAG strikes eventually end, uh, which hopefully they will. I believe the studios went back to the table this week. 
um, and you know, on what streaming services can do, because the only reason the Tetris movie got made is because Apple TV was willing to pay for it and they didn't have to pay all the same residuals that network TV did. Uh, and so you've, we've got to look at what the new contracts are like and if the streaming service are going to be able to afford to do all of these, what used to be direct to video movies, direct to DVD, direct to VHS, uh, Essentially, will they be able to do all this and and do it for a financial amount that makes sense for them? Because under the old contracts, they could. And if uh, the the new if the guild the the actors guild and the writers guild get what they want, it may not be profitable for streaming companies to greenlight as much in, independent stuff as they have been recently. So uh, coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network, Twitch.tv slash Vog Network is Orange Lounge Radios, three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. And we like to check in with them and see what they're going to be talking about tonight uh, and and see, uh, see, see how they're doing, because I like to check in with them. Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Bobby. How are you? I, I am doing well. So uh, what video game story, uh, like the story about the making of a video game, do you think would make a good dramatic movie? The six-week cocaine binge that led to E.T. You know what? That's actually... That that I could see. Because yeah. that's the conflict. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and hopefully, like... Because Howard allegedly, Scott... Excuse me. Allegedly, in case HSW is listening. Yes, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. But the bad decisions. Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. The, the, basically the seemingly, uh, you know, impossible task. Because it was an impossible task. Yes, it and, was. And, uh, but, like, I've even seen... You know, a lot of people in the industry are like, yeah, Howard Scott Warshaw did the best thing. Like, I actually watched, there was a documentary. It was uh, it was Kickstarter a while ago, but the CW aired it, and we watched it. It's called 1982, The Best Geek Year Ever. Mm-hmm. And the <laughs> premise of this was 1982 was actually the best year for geeks ever in because of the movies that came out. And I thought it was going to talk about other things, but it really just talked about all the great movies, geek-centered movies that came out in 1982. That's when Blade Runner came out. That's when Tron came out. They they did a lot on Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. They did, um, and, and E.T. came out, and Poltergeist, and, like, they list off all these movies. Megaforce. I mean- Mega what about 2023, in. though? We got Baldur's Gate 3. Nine. We got uh, Diablo 4. Yeah. We got Barbie. Like, it's happening yeah. this year. Yeah. But 19, 1982, they were saying this was like the first time geeks went mainstream. Because it was like and a lot of stuff. And it was a lot, a lot of different movies. It was four episodes long. And I don't remember all the movies. But it was like that. It was like the thing came out. And, and like Poltergeist came out just before E.T. did. And they were fighting with this, and uh, Brian Boswick was in it to talk about Megaforce. That was great, because um, he was like, my acting was terrible in this. He was funny. He was great. Um, but they went into the Atari versus Intellivision battle for like five minutes. And they talked about E.T., because in relation to the movie being in 1982, and uh, Nolan Bushnell was on there, and every, he's like, you know what? Everybody says that, because they talked about Howard Scott Warshaw and stuff like that. And he's like, everybody says E.T. was the worst video game ever made. I contend, as Nolan Bushnell, that E.T. is the best video game ever made in six weeks. <laughs> and and so there's, you know, having some redemption in the mainstream of Howard Scott Warshaw, even though he's kind of been redeemed in geek circles right. with different documentaries, like the landfill documentary that at Microsoft did really mm-hmm. kind of redeemed Howard Scott Warshaw because he did make Yars Revenge as well. So it's not like he sucked. 
at his job. He just sucked at making. Oh no, it was it, everybody good. sucked at making a game in six weeks. I mean, Loki can't right. even make a game in six weeks. So you know. <laughs> Well, with the tools today, we have game jams and stuff, but under, yeah. yes, under the constraints, I, I totally understand the point. Under the constraints of the time and everything, he he made the best game that he could possibly make. Yeah. And so I think that having that and, you know, kind of the resurgence and it would end with, you know, I, I could see it in my head, ending with Howard Scott Warshaw now, who's uh, a, a psychologist now, like that's his yeah. job now, uh, mm-hmm. and that he's, you know, successful and he's still, he's revered. Again, you know, and he's, you know, and how he turned out fine. And but also like he how he was up against and kind of the fall guy for for Atari and uh, and, you know, having the landfill scene at the end, you know, jump do the time jump. So I can see that. I like that answer. So we have the making of E.T. We have Masters of Doom. That was my answer was was dramatizing that. And this will be a dramatic one. So like you're, they're gonna obviously would take liberties with it. Couldn't kind of like the Tetris movie. Have you seen the Tetris movie on Apple TV? I haven't. I don't have Apple TV or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I have it because of of soccer. So that's ah. that's why I have it because in order to watch my soccer, uh, I got you have to have Apple TV for that. Yeah, one of these days I'll get around to it. But you know, distractions. Yeah, I mean, it took me how long to get to it? I mean, it's been out for how many months? And I finally watched it this past weekend. Yeah, so. I finally saw the Mario movie, like on on the airplane back from Southern Fried. Yeah. I finally watched the Mario movie because it yeah. was, it wasn't on the flight on the way there, but it was on it on the way back. So I watched it. And Tiger Claw asks, "Are you a Messi fan?" No, I'm part of the. I'm 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 a season ticket holder for one of the rivals <laughs> of him, <laughs> and I want him to not beat us. I've been a season ticket holder for years in years. In fact, when I started do when we moved to Twitch, when and it's Atlanta United is is my my team. When we moved to Twitch for like the first 6 months, I had a big like Atlanta United MLS Cup Champions banner in the back of of my 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 scene here. So um so yeah. Uh, Dark to see says, uh, yeah, don't feel bad. We had to wait for DVD for Mario and, and Dungeons and Dragons and likely Barbie when it drops. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I, now the Barbie movie I did, we, we, I also saw, I enjoyed it. My wife loved it. Um, but it's real interesting that Hasbro thinks because Hasbro is like, okay, we're going to make movies based on all of our properties like Nerf and, and this, and like, they list all their game properties they're going to do. And I'm like, you actually think people are watching the Barbie movie? Because of the toy, I hope you've got Greta Gerwig under contract for a good long time. Because yeah. uh, I don't know how else you're going to make lightning strike twice. But good luck. Yeah, because the the people we're everybody's not going to see it because it's Barbie. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to see it, especially women are going to see it because it's about how people what people projected onto the toy and how people played with the toy. There's a certain amount of self-awareness, yes, I think, too. That, very you know, much. That other movies would have to have yes. in it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and not every movie can have Will Ferrell playing a, a toy company executive hell-bent on destroying his own toy. Um, <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time he's done that, I'd have two nickels. And, you know, so it doesn't happen often. But it's kind of weird that it happened twice. Tiger Claw says people will see it because of Ryan Gosling. No, that's not why people watch. That's not why most people watch Barbie. Although he didn't, he didn't hurt, according to my wife. Uh, so what else are you going to be talking about on Orange Lounge Radio tonight? 
Uh, we'll talk about a game that was recently released on Steam, finally, after a long time, that's getting review bombed in response. We'll talk about the why about all of that uh, coming up, and then we'll talk about a competitor, potentially, to the Steam Deck that is uh, rumored from Lenovo. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. And uh, Fortnite continuing kind of the education trend with a really um, really neat kind of sounding feature that uh, it could be very highly educational and uh, really turn Fortnite into more than just a game. It's not the first time they've done something like this, but this is another big uh, step in this direction, which is pretty cool to see. Awesome. Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Dragon Con in two weeks. See you in 10 days. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait. Orange mm-hmm. Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back. We will both be back Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. Come join us and interact with the show directly. We will obviously not be here live the following week because we will all be at Dragon Con. So I hope that you have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. But we're still going to be here next week. And uh, and uh, we're going to start being at Dragon Con in, in 10 days. So once again... I do want to mention that I am going to be at Dragon Con uh, moderating two panels on Friday three, uh, and moderating one panel on Saturday, appearing on two other panels on Saturday, and appearing a panel on a panel on Sunday evening. So if you are at Dragon Con, come say hi. Uh, and you can check for, you can search for me in the Dragon Con app when they add all that stuff in. It's not in right now. Uh, Dragon Con says about a week before the show they're going to have the, the final schedule. Uh, but from what I understand, the schedule is pretty much finalized at this point. Uh, so there can't be too many changes, but, and I haven't been contacted about any changes yet. I don't know if they would, but the app will be live, uh, or the app is live now. They'll have our schedule, hopefully, uh, the next week. And as Jerry Matt says, 10 days to VogCon. This is pretty much, this is, uh, the, the, it is pretty much VogCon because that's where a lot of us are. Um, so yeah, so, uh. I am on social media, so you can find a lot of the stuff off so- about me on social media uh, at Bobby Blackwolf just about everywhere. Uh, BobbyBlackwolf.com, where the uh, where the, the 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 place above us has a different has a specific color, uh, not at the dot social end, but you actually look for the dot com. That's how I verify myself. But I'm also the uh, Bobby Blackwolf everywhere else, uh, and uh, I can post. I sometimes post stuff there, but I'm not posting all that much stuff. But uh, if you want to find close-ups of the Atari 2600 Lego that I talked about last week that is actually still on the table, because, of course, I've been showing it off to my Zoom coworkers on Zoom all week because, I mean, it's awesome. Uh, that's over on the Blue Sky. So you're going to have to get a Blue Sky. And if you need an invite to Blue Sky and you're listening, uh, hit me up in our Discord server. I've got a few invites, and so do some other people here at uh, the Voice Geeks Network. But if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make the live show work without the help of the chatters who go above and beyond. You just being here is really all that we ask for. Uh, But uh, we like to check in. uh, But but I like to recognize people that go above and beyond with their financial support. Uh, So I do want to thank SSJ100 Matt and Loki for resubscribing this week uh thank you so much for that um and uh that that is very much appreciated helps us basically we keep the lights on and that's really all we really really would love to do is 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 keep the lights on with extended support but you being here that's really the best part uh and just uh you know even participating or reposting uh when we post stuff and and to your own followers uh you know grassroots marketing but uh don't feel obligated to do that anyway i'm gonna i am now obligated to hit this button so i stop talking 
uh, and I will see you uh, next week. And uh, and then maybe see some of you in two weeks in person in Atlanta. I'll see you then. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network. People who need to hire new voiceover guys. Or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.